Here at Shaun of the South, we're keeping our hands sharp with the help of Case Knives, the sponsor of this episode. A tradition of my family for generations, my granddaddy used to say the best cure for idle hands was to build something. But in today's day and age, everything's done with a click, a swipe, or a tap. But how about we put away the screens and put your hands to work with a case knife? You're listening to Shaun of the South Live. That means you hear behind me is thunder and rain.
Thanks to her band, Thunder and Rain. I was leaving Birmingham at about 3 o'clock in the morning. I travel early when I make long-distance trips because my father used to travel early when he made long-distance trips. And we do things that our parents did simply because our parents were the ones who did them. Things that don't make any sense whatsoever. We do them because they connect us somehow to our parents. And I was leaving at 3 o'clock in the morning because it's something my father would have done. I am the kind of person who, when given the opportunity, enjoys to sleep until the crack of noon. (laughs) But today was different. I had about a four-hour drive ahead of me, and I wanted to get it done before the traffic on the roads clogged the two-lane highways. There was snow in Alabama. I was driving, and I saw the purple night sky lit up with tiny little stars stuck to the fabric of the night. And there was snow, blankets of white snow on the cattle pastures and the peanut fields and the cotton fields and the soy fields which I passed. The cattle were laying down on all fours and they were looking at me drive by like, this guy is one brick short of a load. (laughs) Snow in Alabama does not set well with me. I have seen it snow here a few times in my life, but it is quite unnatural and it is a rarity. I've heard old-timers talk about the great blizzard of 1963, and they talk about it as if they had come close to the edge of Armageddon. In other parts of the United States, preachers like Pentecostal preachers, Methodists, Baptists, and even Baptocostals, or or that that one denomination that doesn't allow any music produced by an instrument inside their walls, When they talk about hell and the end of days and Armageddon and the book of Revelation and the lake of fire, there's always terminology which refers to heat and flames where the worm dieth not, where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. And the lake of fire is reserved for any child who has ever participated in a game of poker after school. (laughs) Hell is not fire and heat, it is snow. Snow is hell. This is why whenever ice begins to come from the sky and pelt your car and leave dents on your tin roof, an Alabama will walk outside and he will point to the sky and he will say, Oh, hail. (laughs) Snow does not look right. In Alabama, I pulled off at a Waffle House. It was at one of the places where the country road and the interstate intersected. And I hopped out of my car and I saw two big rigs, 18-wheelers. And they were parked and their, their engines were still running and their lights were on. Their running lights looked like a work of art. I love 18-wheelers and I love the men who drive them. I walked into the Waffle House and I saw the yellow squares against the black night sky, I have an early, early memory, one of my earliest, of seeing those yellow squares against the night sky. And even though I was not old enough to pronounce words yet, I was 19 or 20 or so. (laughs) I remember that those words said Waffle House because that's what my father told me. 
I wasn't 19 or 20. I was actually five. And he walked me into the Waffle House, and I remember I had just lost my two front teeth. He walked me inside. He set me down. The waitress came from across the, the, the room, and she looked at me, and she said, What will it be? And my father said, Give my boy something that doesn't require chewing. Go ahead, show her, Sean. And I opened up my mouth and I showed her this gaping hole in the center of my smile. And she grinned and she said, chili, chocolate milk, and hash browns. And that's what they served me. And my father asked for a bottle of ketchup. And this is what we put on our hash browns. Some men are Methodists, are Baptists. And as I said before, some even go to churches that don't play music inside the walls. My father was a ketchup man. He would use it on anything from macaroni and cheese to scrambled eggs to white wedding cake. Although that was a wedding where he had had a disagreement with a 12-pack. He put it on my hash browns, or at least he was going to try to put it on my hash browns. But when he turned the bottle upside down, nothing came out because it was a brand new Heinz ketchup bottle. And my father was no stranger to dealing with a Heinz ketchup bottle. He was such a ketchup connoisseur that every year on his birthday in September, the Heinz Corporation sent him a birthday card with a $5 gift certificate. My father was a ketchup fanatic. He turned the bottle right side up and he said, I want to show you a trick, boy. I want to show you a trick. He said, did you know that the Heinz ketchup engineers have come up with a scientific way to get ketchup out of the bottle? At this point, our waitress, who was named Glenda, was paying close attention. Glenda was the wife of an old friend of my father's. My father's friend had passed on the construction site. He had fallen four stories My father had gone to his funeral. My father had gone to Glenda's house to change light bulbs and repair patches of siding or to mow her lawn sometimes to replace air conditioner filters. My father liked to attend this Waffle House as often as he could just to check on her. I think he did it more for the company than for the food. And while he held that ketchup bottle up, he said, look at this number on the side. Do you see this number on the side? And I saw it. It was a a 57, a small number, no bigger than your pinky nail. He said, Heinz engineers have scientifically proven that if you smack the bottle in this exact location with the butt of your hand, the ketchup will flow out like the River Jordan all over your potatoes. Glenda let out a single laugh. My father said, no, I'm serious. I'm serious. You just watch. And I thought to myself, what fun it might be to be a ketchup, Heinz ketchup engineer. To come home smelling like heirloom tomatoes and Roma tomatoes for a living would be not so bad. Forget being a firefighter or a weatherman or a women's swimsuit photographer. A ketchup engineer is what I want it to be. My father smacked that number with the butt of his hand, and the ketchup didn't even move. Glenda only laughed, and she said, give me that bottle. 
She took it from my father's hands and she got a butter knife. She turned the bottle upside down and she shoved that butter knife into the mouth of the ketchup bottle and gave it one stiff shake. And the ketchup began to flow. My father took the bottle and he spent that entire bottle almost on my hash browns. We were ketchup people. My father would even ruin a $50 steak with Heinz ketchup. And I remember we ate and my father and Glenda talked and he tried to tell jokes. My father was a terrible joke teller. And I inherited this from him. This is why in a room full of people like tonight, I will tell jokes that will make your soul die and forget what laughter sounds like. (laughs) And my father took me off that stool and he wiped the ketchup off my face and off my shirt. And I remember he reached into his back pocket and he removed a hundred dollar bill. He placed it on the counter and he tried to leave the Waffle House without even drawing attention to himself. And Glenda stopped him and said, hey, this is too much, John. He smiled at her and he said, it takes true talent to get ketchup out of a bottle like you did. And she said, God bless you. God bless you both. And we drive to wherever we were going. I don't remember that now. As time goes on, I seem to remember less about my life, my childhood. So I walked into the Waffle House. It was around 4.30 in the morning. And inside the Waffle House were two truck drivers, a big, big man with red suspenders and a John Deere cap and a plaid shirt and a long white beard that made him look a lot like jolly old Saint Nick. And I don't mean Nick Saban. And there was a skinny man to his left. The skinny man had big ears and skin like shoe leather. And he also had a plaid shirt tucked in with a belt buckle and his boots were resting on the bar beneath the counter. And they were talking to this waitress, telling her what they wanted for breakfast. And in the corner of the restaurant were two young people who were wobbling while they ate. And I recognized that wobble. They were dead drunk, or as my father would have called them, half tight. I sat at the bar, and the woman behind the counter was small and slight and she had old looking skin and wiry hair and when she spoke it sounded like a pack of unfiltered camels she said I'll be right with you I'll be right with you and she was taking these men's orders and writing them down and as soon as she finished she walked over to the flat top grill and she began cooking and one of the men asked he said where's the cook today are you here all by yourself She said, oh, he came down with the flu. Hadn't you heard? Most Alabama has the flu. The governor even declared a state of emergency. The slender man with the big ears said, my God, the flu, snow, a state of emergency. What's happening to Alabama? She cooked up their breakfasts in no time flat. She knew exactly what she was doing. Here, I thought to myself, is a woman who knows how to fry an egg. I have said it before. I will say it again. There is a right and a wrong way to fry an egg. Young people today fry eggs in skillets that are coated with this plastic thing called Teflon. 
It's something that I believe is made out of recycled tire rubber. And they spray it all over these cheap $1 skillets that you buy at the dollar store. You take it home and you spray it with Pam. I don't know what Pam is or who she is, but I don't believe she has any business on a fried egg. (laughs) My mother could fry an egg right, just like this woman. And she used seven inches of bacon grease, preferably kept in a Maxwell House coffee can just above the stove. And in the bottom of the can, the grease dated back to the great blizzard of 1963. I used that same grease to to oil my baseball mitt. My mother had showed me how to do that. Which is why whenever I smell bacon, I think baseball. It's funny how the brain works. She gave these men, this waitress, gave them their breakfasts and they ate in no time flat. The man who looked like Santa Claus had egg yolks stuck in his beard. And before they left, they left $10 tips. And then the woman came to me. She said, what'll it be? And I said, I saw you fry them eggs. I'd like three eggs over medium, a few strips of bacon, some toast and hash browns. She said, no problem. She cooked it up for me on the flat top, and I loved watching her work. She's an artist. Women who know how to cook an egg, who know how to cook bacon the right way, they're artists. And she served it to me. She placed it on a plate that was swimming in too much cholesterol. She said, would you like ketchup with that? I said, oh, you bet. She placed a bottle in front of me, and I held it up to the light. I unscrewed the cap, and I tried to pour it on my hash browns. Nothing came out. So, because I come from a long line of men who do things just to do them, even though they do not work, I took the butt of my hand and I smacked it on the number 57, which is just on the crest of the bottle. And nothing happened. My waitress looked at me and she said, what are you doing? She took the bottle from me and she turned it upside down and she shoved a butter knife up the mouth of the bottle and the ketchup flowed and it flowed all over my potatoes and made them look like they belonged in an R-rated movie. (laughs) I remember what my father would sing at breakfast time when his potatoes were covered in ketchup. He would sing, Would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the ketchup, power in the ketchup. My mother would smack him because it was blasphemy to defile a hymn like that. The waitress said, that's how you do it. You don't bang your hand on a ketchup bottle. You use a butter knife. And this woman and I got to talking. She's from North Alabama. Her husband died when she was a newlywed. She had two kids with him. One before marriage, one just after marriage. And he passed in an accident on the highway. His car rolled several times down an embankment and he drowned. And she was forced to raise her children without him. She worked three jobs. Three jobs. And I thought about the time that my mother got her first job after my father passed. I remember her wearing a fast food uniform, a lot like this woman. She worked at a chicken joint 
She was the one who deep fried the French fries. And this woman, the waitress at Waffle House, she told me about how she had tried so hard to make her children's lives beautiful. How she had taken them to Disney World once a year, even when money was tight, even if she had to put it on a credit card. She made sure she took them to Disney World. And they would camp in a tent because that was just about all they could afford. But by God, they did it. And they walked all over that park and they rode the rides. And they were some of the greatest memories of her life and her children's lives. She told me about how she worked very hard to put her daughter through college. Her daughter is a nurse now, a nurse in Birmingham. She has a granddaughter. The little girl is beautiful, and this old waitress shows me a picture of this granddaughter on her cell phone. Beautiful child. She told me about her son, who's in Albuquerque now. He joined the Air Force, and he has done well for himself. He got transferred to Albuquerque, and she talks to him twice a week. His wife is pregnant. They hope it's a boy. And this woman is proud. And today she's here by herself because her co-worker has had the flu. A woman a lot like the woman who raised me. The same woman who I used to deliver newspapers with. The same woman who I would turn over my paycheck to. The same woman who knew how to fry an egg the right way. While I talked to the waitress, the young kids got up to leave. They stumbled to the door and they stood on the sidewalk in a minivan with the word taxi and blazed on the side came to pick them up they piled into that van and they drove away and I remember many times in my life being at a Waffle House under the influence of too much Budweiser and Miller High Life and this woman said is that all for you anything else and I looked at her face I don't know her but then I do know her. She's every hard-working woman that's ever lived. She's every good person who's done what hard times require of them. She is grit. She is beauty, which is hidden beneath cigarettes and caffeine addiction. She has calluses on her hands and sugar in her veins. And she knows how to cook an egg. I reached into my wallet to pay. She was manning the cash register. I saw a $100 bill in that wallet. I don't normally carry $100 bills. I don't normally have $100 to my name. My wife doesn't trust me with that much money. But my friend had just asked for change the night before I left Birmingham, and I had gone to an ATM to get him change in 20s for his $100 bill, and thus there was a $100 Benjamin Franklin face sitting in my wallet, and it just felt right. I left it on the counter. I walked away. She said, this is way too much. I said, ma'am, it's not nearly enough. It takes true talent to get ketchup out of a bottle like you did. She said, God bless you, sir. The sun had not yet risen, but I knew it would. Maybe another 45 minutes, I'd see it rise above the tree line. And I would see it 
reflect pink on the snow which covers Alabama. And I will be driving all morning, headed toward home, passing the bright fields covered in white. And I will be thinking about a man who liked ketchup a little too much. And about the woman he left behind. We do things our parents did. We don't know why we do them. But I hope and pray we never, ever stop. Because to stop would mean that we have forgotten them. I hope we never stop using ketchup, $100 bills, and I hope we never forget about women who wear fast food uniforms. Thanks for listening to Sean of the South. I've been your host, Sean Dietrich, and it has been a real pleasure. That music here behind me is Thunder and Rain. Aaron P. Lukes, Pete Weber, Ian Hagel, Chris Herbst, Natalie Padilla, and Kevin Matthews. To find out anything more about what they do, you can visit Thunder and Rain Music, and be sure to check out their new album, Start Believing on iTunes. To find out anything more about what I do, you can visit SeanOfTheSouth.com. And while you're there, I hope you drop me a line, because I love to hear from my friends. And speaking of friends, friends, change is inevitable, except from vending machines. Adios. Adios.